Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Honestly, the thing that I miss most about The Shining is that um, that guy isn't getting any work done. And, he, you know, and he has such a great opportunity. So, okay. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Castle of Horror, the show dedicated to horror movies and awesomeness. This week, we continue our retrospective focused on movies based on Stephen King's Carrie. This week, we discuss the 2002 TV film Carrie, starring indie darling Angela Bettis. Bear in mind, if you haven't seen today's film, or indeed any movie based on Carrie, because we're going to talk about all of them. That's the point of this retrospective. We're going to be talking about it from the perspective of horror fans who have, so warning spoilers ahead. From Denver, Colorado, I'm your host, Jason Henderson, author of the upcoming Young Captain Nemo from Fievel and Friends, Macmillan Books. With me from Austin is Tony Salvaggio, tech director at Rooster Tea Studios, lead singer and bassist of the band Deserts of Mars, and lead guitarist of the band Rise from Fire. Say hello, Tony. Howdy. Howdy. Also in Austin is Mr. Drew Edwards, editor-in-chief of HorrorMovies.net, writer for Rockabilly Online, and creator and writer of the long-running comic Halloween Man. Say hello, Drew. Howdy. Slow style. Howdy. <laughs> and, and I know that I sound like I have a cold, and I apologize. I'm just going to apologize in advance for that, that I sound like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. The United States has a cold. You're fine. Yeah. So this, I just, I just fit right in. <laughs> And finally, also in Denver, as always, color commentary from attorney Julia Guzman of Guzman Immigration of Denver. It's a a Carrie is a 2002 American horror television film based on the novel Carrie by Stephen King. It is the second adaptation of the novel and a remake of the 1976 version. The film was written by Brian Fuller and directed by David Carson and stars Angela Bettis who Tony and I saw in the movie May. In the, in the story, Carrie White, a shy girl who is harassed by her schoolmates, disappears, and a f- series of flashbacks reveals what has happened to her. So well, let me, let me stop you there, up. Jason. Let me stop you there yeah. and say that it actually didn't come out before Carrie. They filmed it before Carrie, but it came out after. So a lot yeah. of people thought that she was cast in May because of what she did in Carrie, but it was actually the other way around, that they had seen what she did in May, yeah. like the producers, and then they cast her in Carrie, but it came out after Carrie did. It came out after Carrie? Yeah. I, I'm I'm shocked by that. I, I, I totally believe you, but I, I'm pretty certain that I saw May before I saw this movie. No, no. It, we, it's possible because we had seen it, I think we saw it in advance. Yeah, we saw it at Bunnamathon. Advance at Bunnamathon, yeah. And so... It's possible. Also, a lot of people saw, like, they were coming out around the same time. So depending on when you saw it, you could have seen one before the other, like what you're talking about. 
but yeah, there was um, that is strange because I remember being kind of confused. Or then when I heard about, it, I was like, oh yeah, well I mean she's perfect to play Carrie. Look at her performance in May; that makes tons of sense. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, that, that could have happened in that timeline for sure. So okay, but this is the 2002 remake of Carrie. So Tony, um, opening thoughts. Carrie 2002. I had seen this a while back, but I can't remember when. And I think I'm pretty sure I watched it almost back to back, like over the course of like two days with the uh, newer remake. And uh, this, I remember not liking this one that much. And then I watched it this time and perhaps liked it a little better. I'm still puzzled by some of the choices and it's not great. But uh, it it was better than I remembered. Um, overall, like for a TV adaptation, not too bad. Although it is funny since it's Brian Fuller and seeing Hannibal. Like mm-hmm. Hannibal, I was surprised that was on network TV. I'm still surprised it's on network TV. Yeah. And the parts that they play vary. I guess what 15 years, 16 years will do. Like, the, like yeah. it's fairly, I mean, it's TV 14. It doesn't do a lot of horror movie like there's not much gore you know no even the blood is not even as bloody as the uh original carrie movie and uh i don't know it's it's very strangely strangely chased in a lot of ways that i have forgotten about and uh yeah it's okay um i didn't hate it like i thought i was going to but i also it's not something i'll be picking up over and over again i'm I'm pretty sure very good okay uh julia i don't know if you were aware of this remake and uh um what tony says is that the thing is it's it's a tv version so it's way too chaste what are your thoughts on the 2002 no, way too it just was more than i remember it's, it's notably oh, okay fair enough okay that it's noticeable that it's noticeably chaste in that way yes. or it's noticeably like it's tamed you know compared well to yeah i mean i would agree that there are certain things you know for example the, the it's it's definitely more risque and a little more gory than i would expect most tv things to be i agree with that as well but certainly you can tell that some stuff has been eliminated for example you know in the in the there's shower, there's the girls locker room but there's no nudity no real nudity um although it is pretty sexy i mean like when she's taking her shower she's all like sexy i was telling jason i'm like yeah women don't do that when they take the showers <laughs> it's not like oh you know let me in that skinemax movie in the grody gym class that's not yeah yeah exactly uh anyway and then um but even i who don't like gore and violence in movies was disappointed at the fact that nobody gets like beheaded or whatever, like yeah. with flying, you know, like when the, the uh, whatever that was that comes crashing down onto the, onto the one girl. Um, I was like, Oh, that would have been a perfect opportunity to like behead or bisect her or something. So it's not Absolutely. that I necessarily want to see those scenes. It's just, I'm so used to seeing them that I was, I did notice their absence in this case, but no, there's plenty of, um, plenty of gore uh in this film as well but i think that's the only reason the only way that i could really identify that it was a television movie i didn't actually feel like it felt particularly made for tv-esque um it's uh Hmm. yeah i mean i don't i'm not saying it was brilliant i'm not saying it was a brilliant film it just didn't scream made for tv to me 
Um, you know, I think she's a really interesting actress. I liked her a lot with her, um, the, you know, the kind of the trances that she would go into and just the, like the stiff arms and all. I thought she did a great job of just really seeming nuts, super nuts. Um, and, uh, it was, you know, there was some interesting, uh, character work and the, the relationship with the mom was definitely complicated, so there was a lot I liked about it. Um, yeah, I think I think it was it stood up to. Uh, I definitely don't feel like it was. I'm I don't know if it was as good as the other one certainly, but I didn't feel like it was just way worse than the other one that we than the original. So um, you know, yeah, I I I'm not gonna go so far as to say I really enjoyed it because I don't like the Carrie story. It's it, there's a lot I don't like about it. So uh, Drew, would you agree that it, does this? Uh... Could you tell, you know, if I just tuned into this, would you go, oh, well, this is a TV movie? Is that where your brain would be? Uh, yeah. So I didn't actually know that this movie existed until relatively recently. And I mean, maybe it's because I just was never that into the original Carrie movie, as I as I said on the our, our podcast about the original film and, and then last week. I once I learned about this movie and I learned who some of the people involved with it was, I was kind of excited to watch it. Um but I was very disappointed when I actually watched it. I think this is a very Brian Fuller is a very talented guy, and there's some stuff in the the screenplay that I think is is cool. And kudos for him to actually like kind of try to show Carrie's rampage that they have in the book and yeah. and you know in in uh, in this film. But but I thought this was a, a group of you know I had a good cast and a good screenwriter, and I think this is a very shoddy, slow, terribly paced. Uh, overlong, mm. dull in a lot of places. Like they're like I found myself fought off, nodding off plenty of times. And you know the ending that they tacked on because I guess they they I read later that they were thinking about doing a Carrie TV show. Uh, the ending with the with ridiculous jump scares, or like two of the worst jump scares I've oh, yeah. seen in, well, in, in a contemporary. Yes. Or, yeah, I I just I thought this movie looked like the worst crime though, because there, there's some good performances in it, but the worst crime in this movie is it just looks. It doesn't just look like a TV movie. It looks like a cheap TV movie. Like there are episodes of Buffy from around this time, same time period that still look yeah. better than that. Like, this is terrible looking. Like, I just, you know, uh, like, uh, so, I, 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 I really did not like this movie. I, it didn't even have like, like Carrie two, as much as I razzed on it, had like a certain kitsch factor yes. to it that made it entertaining. This didn't even have that kind of charm it had going for it. Uh, so I I don't know I I I really didn't like this one. Yeah, this, I mean, um, my thing is the scope. When you it bugs me, and we talked about this before. You know your budget. There was a there was a movie, uh, a horror movie created not a few years ago where the guy's on the plane. He's going to uh, to film it, and they tell him he had like half the budget or a quarter of the budget. Mm. <laughs> but this this Boy, probably that. isn't that. Like you kind of know so. If you know you don't have the budget to do good CG in an era there's not good CG, like I just wish they had cut the rampage in a way that didn't involve everything looking really shoddy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, considering that there's other things done for a lot less budget in a different era where the practical effects actually look decent. I don't, I still, that still just bugs me. I don't know. And also the, the, it's cut. Like you can see the, 
commercial cuts in it. Yes. It does take you out when you see stuff like that. Because it was long, so I'm guessing it was like a two-night thing. Uh, and that is a that is a sin of uh, Stephen King television all the time. I, I've, I find this sort of wonderfully reliable, and you're right that it doesn't actually make it more fun, uh, is that Stephen King adaptations on TV always run way long you know um this is at at two hours 12 minutes this thing is longer than the brian de palma movie uh and you know not least of which because first of all it means you have to write all of those scenes to comport with people's expectations for how you know how we're going to lead into commercials there's even a point tony this is what i was going to point out where uh they show they back up because they're like we don't want you to have missed something so they actually back up a few seconds just so that just to restart the conversation after the commercial that is not there truly crazy and then you think you know to release this on vod don't you have like 300 dollars to pay some associate producer to go in and just snip some of this stuff like to just just cut these fades or is it is it just not even worth doing that i i maybe just put it out there I mean, it's already, you're already saying it's made for TV. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I hey. it's, yeah, <laughs> just go with it, man. <laughs> like, it, it's, uh, yeah, there, I, I really have a fondness uh, for, generally, let me say this, I have a fondness for TV adaptations of Stephen King. I really do. I like that. I like that crappy uh, video look that they all have. I like that they're all filmed in either North Carolina or somewhere in canada and and uh, you know i like this sort of look of all of them it's sort of it is the ultimate in comfort food and they're usually done professionally so they might be a little dull and a little slow but they're still like ahead of other stuff that i that that i might be running into here my feeling about carry 2002 is uh i think it's it it does a couple of interesting things that i was surprised by that can sort of inform our conversation about adaptations of carry uh but uh is it at all necessary? I don't know. I think Angela Bettis is, is fantastic. And here's the thing. Next week, we're going to discuss the final version, the 2013 version. And my question is, is there anything at all, anything that, it's, that yet another version of Carrie can do that would be remotely different from what we've seen and would still be satisfying because if you really want to make a difference you might diverge too much and and then we're unhappy with it so i think the reason why they keep going back to the well with this material is because bullying is always going to be a topic that's yeah timely and and you can you know, you don't really need to change it up, uh, basically, except for whatever technology people use. Basically, bullies are bullies. School, school. People who attend public school are still stuck in a classroom with one another. You know, um, we should get started discussing this one. Okay, and and you know, to the extent that this is a remake of the of the De Palma version. Before we get to the shower bullying scene that everybody always remembers, this movie starts with one thing that's an innovation that is kind of like in the book. I, I'm curious if you guys were surprised by this. It starts with a flashback. It starts with a frame story that is going to, uh, that we'll keep going back to, knowing that we're beginning after it's all over with. And that, to me, was in keeping with the novel 
where Stephen King occasionally would jump forward in time and discuss all of the events as though well, they happened. Well, I mean, you happened. mentioned that, yeah. that a lot of the Stephen King adaptations that are on television are, are longer, but they're also a lot more often truer to the novel. And, and this is no exception. Yeah. There's a lot of things here that are from the book that are not in the other... Um, the other adaptations uh so that that could be one I'll, I'll go through as we were talking and tell you which ones are the ones that were mentioned here on the IMDb, it's funny but, that's um, the only one i can think of yeah. i can't i can't think of anything else well that, the, the uh, one at the we, end but, okay. the one at the end where where the young carrie is spying on her neighbor sunbathing that's in the um right, that, right, that, yeah. that the, the oh, other yeah. ones have filmed it but they cut it that's in the that's in the book and there was something else I'll find in a minute. You know, hmm. the thing is though, and yeah, okay, there's there's in some ways more of an attempt to to be closer to the book here and of course having more time to do to work with allows you that. But that doesn't mean that this is and I'm not even a big fan of the De Palma film. I mean, I've said that repeatedly, but that doesn't make it yeah. this a better film. It just means it has more of the, the, the book you like in it. You know, and yeah. You know, a book is a book and a film is a film. And I, I'm a big, even though like, well, like, 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 I, I don't think you can review a movie based on how much of a, a, a novel that you like is, is how, well, how accurate point. it is to that. This adaptation is, is the only one that has this, the interviews with the survivors and that's in the novel as well. And that's so true. And yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know if that's, I mean, that's but it made it feel so padded. That's the thing. Like all yeah. that. Yeah, stuff, I don't know that I care for that. I like that they sure. kind of did some. There were there were a few bits in the interviews that I thought were kind of interesting, and I'd forgotten about that. I, I think some of the attempts to update it um, were kind of interesting as well. You know, the 2000s technology being a thing. Um, still, the even then, though, some of the computer stuff looked even dated by the, by those standards. Of yeah. course, yeah. that's, you know what, that's actually, depending on the school system, uh, when I substitute taught in Mississippi, they wanted me to teach on these antiquated computers. So in that keeping, Maybe not so far off. I'm, I'm actually like going back like, no, that's probably it. But, you know, I liked them really trying to put it together with, you know, who's to blame for this and asking, yeah. uh, was it Sue, you know, the questions and her being a person of interest and all that kind of stuff. Like, I thought that was actually kind of closer to how it would be. But all that, all those bits actually kind of worked in a way that I, like I said, I thought I really hated this one. And rewatching it i was just i was more ambivalent but there's there's bits it just made it feel like uh, a a low rent cop show. like like all that stuff honestly it looked like stuff that they had cut from an episode of forever night well it like, also mm. looks that yeah you're you're not entirely wrong and it also is filmed like that <laughs> like and yeah Part of what you're reacting to is it actually looks filmed that way. I mean, they have this weird color green, like super green color grading and just strange choices. I mean, there's some strange cinematography choices throughout, like all the Dutch angles here and there and jump cuts and like the sounds, like all the where she does something and they cut and make weird sounds <laughs> and everything. The Foley is, it's strange. Those choices were weird, but um yeah. I see where you're coming from, Drew. I just, I, I didn't, I guess maybe I remembered hating it so much that I was pleasantly surprised I didn't hate it that much. And, and maybe if I had had like a previous experience 
with this, I would have been kinder to it. But like, like when I when I heard sure. you know Brian when I heard Brian Fuller, who is oh, who has done a lot of stuff that I really admire, um, was the screenwriter on this. I got really, really just like I was like, oh, I bet so this is gonna be. <laughs> something really <Yeah>. interesting <laughs> and when i saw how like kind of meat and potatoes it is yes like and not even meat and potatoes the way that jason is describing the other stephen king miniseries because if it had been at least that it would have been like you know what i'm nostalgic for those you know old old stephen yeah. king miniseries i i they take me back to a certain time in my life that feels good you know like so like you know it, if it had even been that i think i would have been a little kinder to it but like it just is so ugly it's just an ugly look <laughs> i don't i don't have that cheap. i i don't feel like it's that i mean i i don't it's obviously looking. you're not wrong right because it's a it's it's total but i don't feel like this is any i think you said it exactly right when you said this feels this has a, a forever night kind of feel about it it has a sort of this is what we're doing now with paranormal tv like the whole stuff the whole all the stuff with uh david keith uh as the cop who, and and his sort of snappy patter with the the students it it does feel sort of like oh well hey we've got some some cop drama q and a going on here and that's what this found, sounds like like it's really completely by the numbers like i've seen these scenes a thousand times before we know how these go and oh. here's another one there's no nothing fresh about that at all that's true but also it it feels very much like where he's grilling her about drugs and that <laughs> condescending like well that's good but he really means yeah. like yeah sure right i don't believe you Anyway, this yeah. is how I'm I'm laying the groundwork here. Like all that stuff yeah. is done adequately. It's just because yes. it's also fairly realistic. It's nothing new. I, although Drew, I wish when you were like, "Oh man, I'm excited about this Brian Fuller thing." I wish I had talked to you because I could have told you to go ahead and just slow your roll on that. <laughs> just lower those expectations <laughs> a little bit. because no, maybe that and maybe that, that would have changed the way I reacted to it. I want to like switch over to because that that's the donut, and they even I don't know if it's an accident that they start out with a conversation about donuts, and it is a donut. It's a donut story that that you know is going to frame at the beginning and the end. But let's skip over that when we get to what really gets things rolling, which is that. Carrie is a hair-twisting, um, scrawny, weird, mousy girl, you know, who, who everybody is kind of put off by. And we have this whole thing where, where she gets her first period in the shower and she doesn't know what Which, that's about. by the way, is absurd. Because okay. she's obviously like a mature woman and the actress is what, what did we say? She was 29? So, it is I hard mean, that was... to be a 30-year-old freshman anytime. In our nation's well, and history. And not only a three-year-old uh, freshman, but among all these people who are clearly very sexually mature, including her. So there's just no way. That that yeah. that also always bothered me. That bothered me in the original one, too. It's just super stupid. Yeah, I mean, I think we're supposed to, to imagine that Carrie's younger than that. I don't. I, I can't even begin to. I, I, I don't know. So, I, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a sin that 
goes far beyond even this film. Like there are so yeah. many. Um, this Hollywood's always casting people in their like twenties and thirties as teenagers, and it's mm-hmm. it's weird that weird. You know, like I think they, you know, up until like the last Spider-Man movie, like how many how many times did we have a, a Spider-Man, a Peter Parker that was like pushing. 30. No, yeah, that and uh, yeah, but she doesn't right, whatever. Anyway, that's fine if she um were if it was if we're talking about like, you know, 90210 where they're high school students but they're not there's no pretense that there's any kind of they're just like just pubescent or whatever. It's they're they're sexually mature people and so they it's actually more comfortable to see a 20 something year old playing a sexually um uh, you know, sexually active character than it is to see an actual 16 year old. Cause then you're like, especially, especially if you're a parent, you're just like, Oh, I don't want to think about that. But, um, and so in this case though, it's so absurd to have somebody who is clearly sexually mature, uh, saying she's getting her first period. I mean, just, you have to like suspend your disbelief, but sometimes it's really hard. Like you were saying about the computer graphics being crappy. Every once in a while you just kind of go, okay, I really can't accept this. This is not real to me at all, and that was one of the things. At the same time, like I feel like is is unrealistic as her age, or trying to buy wrap your head around her as as that age. She's still one of the saving graces of this this movie because she does put in a pretty good performance. Oh yeah, she's great. I mean, yeah. the, the, it just made so much sense the way she plays May, and then it was a no brainer. Yeah. Um, you know, I it would have been interesting to have even though i guess they're kind of the same movie so it wouldn't have been worth it but to see lucky mckee doing this so they're working together on may and they just transition to make remake that with this i think that yeah. would have been really interesting because i think he's really good as well um mm-hmm. i thought the one that got me as far as old was the <laughs> was the prom king guy like that guy yes. man that guy that he does look oldest. 32 or so yeah yeah <laughs> It, he makes Dylan I mean, McKay look young. Yeah, he's good. At, like, <laughs> what he's doing in the in the movie, but the whole time, every time I saw him, <laughs> I, and, oh man, that did not work. But but I gotta <laughs> say that is not new. I watched a movie oh, the other day with uh, with Roddy McDowell and Tuesday Weld, where they're college uh, seniors. Oh, sorry, high school seniors. And Harvey Corman is their principal, and he's this like megalomaniac high school student who can like start wars and stuff. And he's doing battle with Harvey Corman, and both of them are in their forties. <laughs> both of them are in their forties. <laughs> And, and Ronnie McDowell is playing an almost plausible high school senior. It's just you, you just kind of live in a world where we go, you know what? Hell, everybody in everybody in Hollywood is 35 to 45. And we just sort of scatter them along a continuum of who they're playing based on who has the least. Like, oh, I mean, five you think how long it takes to get a career going. You can hardly fault people for oh, taking whatever yeah. role they they can because it's <laughs> let's face it. It's a tough business. Oh, yeah. But, you know, like I I. I I kind of agree with with Julia that this some of the casting here, even though I think this has got a really good cast, it does kind of stretch credibility in some ways. So so to get back to, let's assume for a moment that everybody seems uh, the right age. You know, uh, it, it it does it, it is a difficult one to overcome because she is clearly such a mature woman. But let's assume for a moment that you know she is age appropriate and having a, a late onset you know, puberty and whatever. Uh, so the way the other girls react 
where they are so filled with like glee and nastiness. This has always struck me as very strange. I, 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 this is the place where Carrie becomes like a fairy tale, all versions of Carrie, because the level of cruelty that they are is like over the top. I, I, I assume, you know, unless, unless girls are just really this bad, but I mean, they no, are, no, high school students, that bad. high school students can be really that bad. <laughs> yeah. but no, I've, ne- I've never met, no, I've never met anyone that was quite that bad. I've met people who are bitchy and who say mean things, but this whole idea that they would like, and I'm, and maybe it happens somewhere, but I've never seen people do that mob mentality where everybody gangs up on some. Now, I, I mean, you know, obviously there's like like schoolyard fights where everybody's going fight, fight, fight or something like that. But with girls, I've never seen a whole bunch of girls gang up in particular that kind of a violent way where they're they're you know chanting mm. and pounding and all those kind of things or throwing things at her or like that. But of course, absolutely, they can be super catty and mean and, and vindictive and backstabbing that stuff is i mean that's true for all ages all people all genders you know it's like that that, that's not uncommon um however i'd never i've never seen people behave in this particular way but i have seen people say really mean things to each other absolutely emily deraven yeah go ahead tony i so the double-edged sword of growing up somewhere super rural like i did was there was a lot of mean crap it was definitely a microcosm of that but i have actually had friends who told me some of their high school stories and it was pretty messed up man <laughs> like you know yeah. this is taken a slightly uh next level but not too far off from man it, it could be really bad and like i said i told you the story before too like where friends of mine got beat up for liking metal and dungeons and dragons yeah. and crap like like literally beat up well that's and, that's what and, i'm saying so i think that's like, more of a boy thing i feel like uh, boys are the ones who beat each other up but i haven't seen girls behave quite this way but i don't know maybe i've just been lucky and not not seen that I, like i said i've heard enough stories that i'm not i think of course it's played up for cinematic purposes but there were yeah. things i've heard that i was like holy crap i mean i thought i had some things bad but but again like there's a movie I, out now that my friends are really digging called a bomb city about a punk who was killed uh mm. in, i think it was amarillo or i have to look again but uh i i've heard it's great but dealing with some of the crap that i dealt with when i was growing up like i don't want to see that movie really i'll probably catch it yeah yeah but uh just like <laughs> I just I would I feel like, like to it hear would be a rage for me to see this movie because yeah, yeah it's it's I I just think I would yeah. like to hear specific uh examples of of women being treated like this by other women. I've heard I mean I know of particular you know pers- personally of women treating each other like crap and girls treating each other like crap by lying and you know and backstabbing and conniving but not any of the ostracism. Kinds of I mean like you know the ostracism keeping somebody common, out. That's the big yeah, that's tool, you know, is is but, yeah but yeah but this, like i said this whole business where she's lying in in the in the in the bathroom crying and they're all pounding into i've just never heard of that actually happening outside of like some super weird you know um like a thing that situation that ends up making the news or something but i i always hear about boys like ganging up and beating up on a kid but i don't hear about girls doing anything quite like that but again it could be i just haven't heard of it um but i feel like this probably was written kids can be exceptionally cruel 
first of all, as Tony has noted, and, you know, like, like they can be exceptionally cruel to each other. Is that the norm? Maybe not, but this is the, what happens to Carrie right here isn't actually supposed to be the norm. It's supposed to be kind of something that does seem extreme for this school, so, which is yeah. why, like, the, yeah, the faculty Rena is really pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. The cool. faculty the makes a really big deal out of it. Yeah. So, like, but like my, I mean, my, my high school experience was, was, was full of bullying and, you know, being bullied. And, you know, like I, you know, I, I don't have a hard time believing that, that, you know, that, that there aren't girls that, that can, or can be exceptionally mean. Well, and I, I am, I, you know, again, I'm sorry that I don't have any anecdotes to hear. To, to say whether it's true or not. All you, all you can say is, all you guys can say is, stuff like that happened to me, but you're guys, and I'm a girl who was bullied plenty, but never that way. It was, it was always with words. Well, but, and, uh, and, and my rebuttal to that is, this is supposed to be an act that does stand out. Like, yeah. it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not supposed to be like, they're calling her, you know, name or whatever. Like, this is supposed to be something yeah. that, that sets off a ch the whole chain of events of what happens. It, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's well said. Uh, you know, I uh, the Rena Sofer, who is this sort of wonderfully reliable nighttime drama actress, who and you know daytime. has the crazy and daytime these crazy eyes. The the eternally crazy eyed Rena Sofer uh, plays um, the coach, and she's just astonished and livid over over this thing that that these girls have done. Uh, Emily DeRaven of Roswell plays the and both uh, of these actresses are on one uh, once upon a time both the uh, oh, yeah. No, that's and true. yeah yeah uh she plays the ringleader of the girls and and it, uh, that's the other thing that strikes me as funny about the way the girls are sort of the pecking order of the girls in the school you have Emily, Emily DeRaven, who is mean, mean, mean from the beginning. You have Sue Snell, who starts out just as a go-along kind of girl. She's one of the pretentious, you know, popular girls. But very quickly, she's kind of sick of it. She feels sorry for Carrie, and she has a lot of humanity. And, and then you have the others who I found really fascinating, like the, you know, student council president girl and the other sort of just sort of mean girl, but she doesn't quite know all of the pranks that are going to get played. You get the impression that they would kind of go along with anybody in another universe where Carrie, for some reason, went through a whole mean girls transformation and started becoming uh, a very popular girl. These two would just get in line. They would just be like, okay, well, I guess Carrie's popular now. I want to say, note that the actress who plays Carrie graduated, and you, uh, Drew and Tony will appreciate this, she graduated from Westlake High School in Austin. And Westlake <laughs> is a very pretentious kind of, like, you know, it's just very, like, wealthy school, and it's known for being pretentious. So I'm really curious if the actress is is identifying with this character because maybe as a, as an actor, she was kind of, you know, artsy left out, whatever, or if she actually is more one of the, because she's a great actor, one of the superstars of the school and was actually more on the side of the popular kids and is now having to play. Yeah, I'd be really curious to know what her high school situation was like and what, what she was perceived as, but I thought that was really interesting because she went to a school much like this one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, the thing no. that, um, 
I found most interesting about the updates is that they made Sue Snell a, a, a woman of color. And and she's the one that of course empathizes with Carrie, and you know she's the 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 only African American really in in this in this whole story, mm-hmm. and I think that does change that dynamic quite a bit. You know, like even if it's just all undertone. But I I thought that that was a really smart casting decision, and like that was one of the things that is where I was interesting. Like, oh, I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's, that, that's because, you know, like, yeah, I thought that I, you know, that, that really opened up, you know, at least in my interpretation is like, she's the one popular kid that, that actually does identify with Mm -hmm. Carrie. You have the rest of these sort of blonde, very Barbie doll looking, you know, types. And and then you have the the one girl that, that, that does, you know, stand out from them, even though she is, you know, one of the. Yeah. Alpha, alpha girls, and yeah, yeah, of course she's going to be the one that identifies with Carrie as kind of an outsider, and I because she has I, the potential to be ostr to be uh, uh, marginalized, um, yeah, even though she's not, yeah, and it's funny the fact that she's not marginalized means that she has done some kind of super whammy on everybody. You know, because she ha- she is apparently the only, not only the only woman of color, but the only person of color in this entire town. And, well, and I'm not going to speak for, I'm not going to speak for, um, uh, for anyone, uh, for black people, but I would say that she probably would say that she has been. I, like that character, if you looked at her whole life, would probably say that she does get marginalized a lot. And it's just that she's able to kind of play along and well enough and pretend well enough to, for them not to notice her so much. But I'm sure, because I've, I mean, most black people I've heard say, if not all, that that's their identity as black people just is with them all the time. Like they're always aware of the fact that people see them as different. So I'm sure she would say that she is in fact marginalized in some way, but she's been able to play the part well enough <laughs> to go along with people that they, they've accepted her into their, you know, friendship. But I'm, I bet you that, you know, a number of those people would probably go, uh, you know, I'm not racist. My, one of my best friends is black. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Like and that. you know there's always the thing of you know you, you hear this quite frequently and the, white people say funny things you know that you, yeah. you hear this phrase used a lot nowadays you know like like they say even when even when it's well intended they say stupid yeah. stupid stuff and uh you know i i have no doubt that there's probably uh, a lot of that going on in this sure uh, in her relationship with these other girls who who seem superficial even if a bit sociopathic yeah what's what yeah. i find interesting too is uh chris emily de raven's character also is maybe she's slumming maybe she likes bad boys but her boyfriend's a sociopath he's not yes he, <laughs> like a he's drug not dealer. the like hunky football guy although he probably no is he's no team. john travolta is he he yeah <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> Really, the, like it's the whole, stuff starts to come out. You're just like, holy crap! What is it? Why this? Yeah, he's guy? super scary. He's super scary. Yeah. Also, by the way, the worst guy was... versions of people smoking pot ever. I don't know what they were supposed to be on, but <laughs> I love that it's played like oh, man. And I want to say that by this time, maybe I'm wrong because I don't smoke or drink really, or I definitely don't drink much. I never smoke um 
Like by this time, at least one of these people has probably smoked smoke pot, mm-hmm. and just watching these scenes where they're like on the bed high was just what? What else were you on, or what were you supposed to be on, or how were you playing this? Like just things yeah. like that that just make like just weird choices. And he's because he's on like a totally whatever he's on is totally different, <laughs> and he's like his stares and all that. It's just really funny. I don't know if she's trying to like if she's the kind of. uh you know, rich girl character who's like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to go out with somebody dangerous and it's exciting. But this guy is a truly scary guy. He he is is. a very scary individual. Um, She's trying to piss off her parents. I mean, they, you know, you hear that whole speech that she gives to, they hear that whole speech that they, that they give about how she's got the lawyer dad, but she, even though she's a C student and she's been in trouble, there's like 19 kids that have, have complained right, right, against right. her and she spent all these days you in detention. I mean, she's not, she's a rebel. Right. The, 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 the scene where her lawyer dad comes in, that, this is the, the one scene in the movie that I loved and it was such a stupid thing, but you very rarely see competent principles in horror films. Yeah, that was, movies. yes. And, yeah, and so like, yeah, I, I like was like, hey, I was like, good on you, guy, who's good at his job. You know, right. like the fact that he put, right. put yes. lawyer dad in his place yeah. so thoroughly. Yes. I, I, I yeah. loved that. I loved this principle so much in that scene. <laughs> I was also heartened by Rena Sofer's character actually giving a crap. And I don't know if this is just because it's female coach, but let me tell you, most male coaches, it would be a lot more, fuck it up. Why don't you fit in better? like yeah i like that how that all played out as well you know what was also really great so you know this is again skipping ahead so we have her get bullied sue feels sorry for her she decides to talk her hunky boyfriend into who's actually defended carrie once in the library when people are being jackasses um and she's like no you should go out with carrie like i'm totally cool with it she deserves a break i liked his no way she i i know part of it is is like man that's weird but also legitimately i got the impression that when he says she's gonna think this is a joke like things don't turn around is it that (laughs) whole line of conversation and then even how she reacts too even after you know later on uh um chris tries to poison you know her against sue and kind of plays it up but his whole line of of going i don't think this will work i don't think this is a really good idea like obviously she has a lot of problems isn't this just gonna make it worse the way Mm -hmm. usually it's like hunky boyfriend oh whatever but they did not play it that way at all and i actually thought that was was pretty good and i thought that the the betrayal of her her of sue's boyfriend was was more realistic than the betrayal Mm -hmm. of of you know, they had William Cat basically playing this slab of meat with a map, a mop of blonde hair on his yeah. head in the the De Palma <laughs> version, and he's yeah. he's he's a ridiculous character in that. Whereas, like this guy actually seems like a believable human being to me. So I I actually this I this is that 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 is another point in this movie where I will credit his credit due. Like I I would honestly like to see this 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 script done with a different director because I think a or a different cinematographer because I think a lot of the the other aspect I think the screenplay has like some solid bones in it but like there's just a lot of the other stuff that that's going on that it just just downgrades yeah. the whole thing. 
Right. Well, another interesting creative point here uh, that that you mentioned about you know this that this script is stuff. This script is added. Carrie actually, you know, throughout the first like quarter, I'd say she feels like she's gonna boil over every time she's encountering other people. She always just seems like on the verge of snapping. But an interesting thing that this Carrie does, and I don't remember it from the 1976 version, if it's there, tell me. Carrie starts to research telekinesis and test whether she has powers. Like actively working on it, testing it on hairbrushes, you know, she's creating her own little X-Men school in her in her living room. That is new because it means that Carrie has that's a little bit of a level of self-directedness that the original Carrie didn't have. Um, you know, Sissy SpaceX seems to be barely capable of making it through the day. And and this Carrie at least is looking stuff up. She's still such a victim. She's so poor in her ability to handle other people. But um, but that was new, you know, and I thought that was interesting. But it's probably, it might also tie into the whole, we may or may not be making this into a series. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. But in an age, I mean, again, that's one of those updates where in an age where you do have, you know, internet in your library at the very least. Yeah. Having her be self-aware enough to, you know, this doesn't seem like a thing that, you know, <laughs> nobody else is yeah. doing this. I need to find out what is going on <clears throat> with with me, you know, yeah. with this power, with what I'm seeing, which, you know, she knows that she's done some of this before, but oh man, that meteor scene, those... No oh boy. <laughs> I just wish... I wish... Again, in the original, it was just kind of rocks, correct? Like, mm -hmm. why yes, meteors when you know you don't have the budget to do that <laughs> and have it look it right. good? I get, well, I the just... funny thing is we already used this in Rose Red. They lifted it from 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 Carrie and put it in Rose Red, and, which, uh, which well, was Well, itself is a lift from The Haunting. Yeah, that's true. It's a super yeah, good point. I just, I, I constantly huh. am just curious... Why? Why not shoot the things for your budget? It's yeah. just—it's maddening because it doesn't look good, and it. You know, I get it. Like sometimes it's because you want to push the envelope. Right? Maybe I mean maybe it did look okay at the time, but I don't think so. <laughs> correctly from graphics. I time. I could live with it. I've heard I've heard Sophia, for instance, say. You know, as long as I know what it is that it's supposed to be, I, I'm I'm fine. And and I kind of feel the same way. You know, I I, I get I'm like okay, meteors. But why meteors I, instead of rocks when it's so much easier? I just no, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. The, just it's a good question. Those choices, I don't. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, um, but which inevitably pushes us towards the. The prom. Yeah. So right, let's, right. in fact, let's get there because the rest we've already talked about, you know, uh, uh, one thing leading up to the prom, when she asserts herself with her mom and says, listen, mom, uh, I'm making myself a dress. I'm showing off my breasts and you're going to wait uh, in the other room and watch your fingers because I don't want to hurt yourself when I slam the door on you with my mind. <laughs> I love that stuff. Loving it. Yeah, I like that she starts to really get control of her powers. I mean, except that, and to that extent, like obviously she doesn't. There's kind of a, a, there's kind of two different personalities that she has. She has her her personality where she's kind of coming into her own and figuring out how to use these powers and trying to stand up for herself and really figuring out like what are her religious beliefs and what does she want to do. That's just she's starting to be that person. 
And then she's got like her possessed, you know, um, like Damon, uh, Damien kind of thing where she's just suddenly goes into the trance and all this stuff happens and she doesn't remember what happened. So she's like completely uh, yeah. turns on. And then she has control over the powers, but not 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 conscious control, but just the ability to create mass havoc. But um, I think that those are two different things. Like, I think she knows that she's able to do some of these things. And so she can kind of try, you know, it's like, it's like Luke with, um, you know, don't go to the dark side, try to use the, the light for, to, yeah. to, move, to work with the force. And so you can lift this, this spaceship, even if you're not angry. But when you're angry, of course, all the stuff just happens automatically because it just comes out. And so uh, I really feel like that's the case there. So that's what a neat scene with her mom, because she's kind of like, no, you know what? I need to start standing up for myself. And this is how I'm going to do it. Um, but then when she kills her, oh, and that's another thing, by the way, from the novel that's different is that she kills her by, because in self-defense, by uh, stopping her heart, as opposed to mm -hmm. like flying knives, whatever it was. Um, so that again, it's like more subconscious because she's being, she, it's self-defense, you know, that she's being drowned. And so she, she has to do something, but, um, yeah. I, I also, uh, like the bit where the mom is, you know, quoting the Bible, but misquoting it, twisting it to however she yeah. wants it to be. Right. Which I, mm -hmm. you know, growing up in, you know, I went to different churches and kind of found my own way. Where it came to the point where I would have people telling me something, and I'd read the Bible enough that I was like, "Man, I don't. That's really. I don't think I'm going to to church there because this stuff is not. That's not how that translates, etc. You know. And you once you realize that, and where she stands up and goes, "Yeah, I don't think that's how that line works. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, going to look it up like eventually. Like that doesn't sound right. That really sounds like you just you're making, making this stuff up. up. And mm -hmm. I thought that. And, you know, because that is eye-opening when you have an adult, supposedly an authority, telling you something and you finally realize, yeah, I don't really think that's how that is. And yeah. uh, become aware in that way, um, you know, no matter what it is. And for, for me, I, I can also, like I said, associate with this. Like, that's not, you know what, I'm going to also look up a few translations because I don't really that's not, <laughs> sound right. And, yeah. uh, you know, come to find out, there's a lot of mistranslation or twisting or whatever. And then seeing a, a sermon where somebody goes off on one thing or just that's really not the intent um i thought that was that was kind of a cool thing to where she finally realizes all of this um, and it happens you know right before you know all these things come into play where she's going to the prom so well this is the this is what we're going to go into is at this point where she is dealing with her mom this is the moment when we when we're headed for if it were a different kind of movie, a big payoff of a po in a positive sense. She's coming into her own. She's going to overcome all this bullshit, you know, and and she's dealing with her mom and, and putting her mom in her place and still showing love by, you know, and she doesn't want to hurt her mom. And it just so happens that she's on a collision course with Emily DeRaven and her psycho boyfriend who are going to screw everything up. But if that weren't, if that didn't happen, then that's because it's a tragedy. But if that didn't happen, uh, you know, you kind of get the impression that this could be the first day of the rest of Carrie's life, you know, and. But that's uh, always the case with psychotic people. That's always the case <laughs> with psychotic people is that they're like, oh, if all of my days were perfect, I wouldn't have the need to be psychotic. 
You know, if everybody yeah. was always nice to me and I always got my way, I wouldn't need to kill a bunch of people. It's all your fault because I didn't yeah. get my way and now I have to kill you. <laughs> okay, now that's profound. Let's think about that for a second, especially as we go into this prom thing. Um, and, and let's move us into that scene here. It comes prom time, Carrie's going, and the first thing that we know is the, the ultras are uh, stuffing the ballot box to make Tommy and Carrie the king and queen. But before then, we just have a lot of business of people admiring Carrie. What do you think? Because the, the people who made this movie thought about this. What do you think about the prom scene here vis-a-vis -vis our new, new thoughts about bullied people who act out and kill a lot of people, which is something we talk about more, and I think was on people's mind less, uh, uh, even in 2002, certainly in 1974, where it was like, you know, more well, of a 2002, cautionary... 2002, you do have, you have Columbine behind you, right, you have, so you there's definitely this idea of, you know, somebody going nuts and killing everybody, and yeah, you can say, oh, they, had a, they, they were abused in their childhood and whatever, but other people who were abused in their childhood don't go and kill everybody. So, I mean, it's, there's definitely something wrong, and in this case, it almost, like I said, feels like a split personality or like a possession thing, because it's actually not even, she's, she checks out. I think she has a psychotic break i don't yeah. think she, she's not a psychopath i think that's the wrong mm -hmm. thing to say because like she's not a serial murderer she's not even a spree right. killer she she just kind of snapped and she obviously yeah, feels right. remorse she's capable of remorse which is not something a psychopath has yeah no i said um, i said psychotic people but yeah well she's not even really psychotic like like a psychotic break and and being psychotic or or it's it's not exactly the same thing and so so drew but what do you think about this whole question of like they tried to change the way this prom scene goes because they were thinking about columbine which wasn't long before this what does that mean i mean i i don't understand like how are we supposed to change our understanding of carrie in a world post school shootings or is it meaningless i mean i i, I have to say i, I don't think, think it's a meaningless question. i don't think it's to ask um okay so this is it's it's a tough question to answer, um, yeah. especially with the events of the last few weeks. But yeah. I think in some cases, not all, but in some cases, and it's it's hard. And you know, I'm probably going to get some flack online for saying this. When we're talking about mentally ill people, even when they do something that is monstrous and evil, we have to. Ha be able to step outside of ourselves and, and maybe look at their backgrounds with some kind of compassion and understanding if we are going to keep events like this from happening in the future. And, you know, and, and it, as a civilized or ideally, so I question every day if we're still a civilized society, but in an ideal civilized society, we would, we would, even treat monstrous people with, you know, more understanding than we do. Sure, like the first absolutely. thing, anytime something like this happens, the right wing likes to trot out, oh, the mentally ill, the mentally ill, the mentally ill. We mm -hmm. have to keep guns out of the hands of the mentally ill. So they're very quick to demonize a very large group of people. And mentally ill describes a lot of, like, that's broad. Let me interrupt you to say that they don't say we should keep the guns out of the hands of mentally ill. They say that's it's the issue is mental illness, and then they propose they don't want to no talk about Yeah, they that. don't want to actually talk right. about health care reform. You know, well, so, right, like, yeah. like, that's the, like, so awesome. it's, it's, 
it's it's they just want to scapegoat without actually having any real understanding yeah. of what they're exactly. meaning when they're talking about a group of people that describes everything from people who are psychotic and mm -hmm. and dangerous to people with mild anxiety disorders you right know, like like mm -hmm. you can't bludgeon bludgeon the public with a word like that and yes. i i agree with you so i i I think this is the reason why this 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 story does still track very well, and I think you know there is the impulse to, of course, of course, to say, oh well, there's too much violence in our schools, there's too much violence in our system. Let's not do a story like this. But I say the opposite. I say let's try and explore through fiction why we are at the place we are at as a society because i feel like maybe that's that'll give us and again here we go in loaded terms maybe that will give us a safe space to figure out what the hell is wrong with us you know like mm -hmm. why do we keep allowing these sort of things to happen you know if we have this character that that forces other people to empathize with someone yeah. who is and at the end of the day somebody who commits monstrous things yeah maybe we can come around to to figuring out how to stop this stuff uh i have to say a lot of times this feels very fairy tale like in other words in, in many ways, I don't think Carrie is intended to really be taken all that literally. There was a moment afterwards when Carrie comes to her house, uh, and shortly before her mom tries to kill her. Another way you could view this entire film is as though it were a fantasy of Carrie's. You know, as though it were a... Um, I am so put upon, I am so bullied, and I actually flew off the handle and set fire to everything, and I killed people with my mind. It is a, you know, let me tell you how bad my day got, fantasy of acting out, um, and I think that's fine. You know, the, the, uh, I, I actually have to say, I, I think it's absurd for somebody to worry about should I re should I shoot Carrie differently because of Columbine? I think it's a dumb thing to think about. Oh. There, there's why? You know, there's so I, many steps why? between here. And why there. is it a dumb thing to think about? I I think it's an excellent thing to think about. I you're, think, you're, like, like, think about we have to. We we have to. We, fantasy is always how we, you know, sci-fi and horror in particular have always been where we end up asking hard questions. No, I agree ourselves. with you about that. This, this, yeah. I, I I well, I mean, it's not a dumb thing for us to discuss. Um, but Tony was going to say something first, and then I'll, I'll try and answer your question. Go ahead, Tony. So I'm going to go back to something I've kind of repeated is I think some of the best sci-fi and horror um, is holds a mirror in a way is abstracted in a way that allows us to view it, you know, just at an angle where it doesn't, it's not our day to day yeah, and allows you to reflect on that. Um, as people tout, well, there's so much violence in society and this is causing these violent video games of which I worked on video games before yeah. you know horror is a thing that i've you know talked about written some etc um we have to ask ourselves there are many other countries and cultures that watch the exact same movies we do <laughs> like yeah why are they affected hmm that's odd uh i think that we should ask ourselves like i would personally write things differently in a world you know there's some pitches and stuff like that that i've thought about and gone well i don't know man i don't know if i want to write that i think we should ask ourselves those questions i think that i don't know about changing this because to me it's it's 
abstracted in the same mm -hmm. way. And it's also a catharsis. Like when you say, oh, it's violence, seeing that in that mirror and viewing that is a totally different thing from acting out. I felt very simpatico with the kid in trick or treat, but I knew I, I didn't want to drill put a drill through a jock's head. I mean, maybe yeah. abstractly, yes, in a fantasy <laughs> in your head dealing with that. And that's how you deal with it, right? Yeah. Um, and not everybody is, is equipped to cope with that. I mean, we also live, you know, as much as we say, oh, mental illness, this or that, how many kids grew up with all kinds of just rampant ADD medicine, just at, like it was like just, yeah. just given out as if it was candy. Um, we live in a world where uh, the mentally ill were turned out in record numbers and had things had helpful places shut down in the yeah you know, where does that leave us nobody really wants to talk about that um dealing with friends of mine who have mental illness in my own you know whatever goes through my head like this idea there's I, I, to me horror and sci-fi and fantasy has always been yes it can be violent yes it can show us things we may not want to deal with but also it allows us to deal with that by not being in average our day-to-day -day, right yeah which is why again you know i talked about earlier i can kind of watch carrie and go whoa this is some of this hits a little bit real or, or trick-or-treat or any number of these movies but bomb city for example is not a thing i want to see right no matter yeah. how great it, the movie is that i i kind of i don't want at, at this moment this weekend i don't want to experience that the supernatural revenge part of carrie to me seems a catharsis as opposed to a playbook yeah, I agree. I, I actually said that um, it's so funny when you find yourself rooting for the homicidal maniac because the people are such jerks, you know, yes, so right. there is definitely a, a revenge porn aspect to it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think you do have to be sensitive to and, the audience and what they're thinking, what, they're, what the contexts are. Well, and Drew's right that in this movie, they've made it clear that Carrie goes into a fugue state when she goes really, really, when she really uh, uh, puts her foot down dealing with everybody that, that has threatened her and threatened her her mind and, and all that stuff. Uh, why yeah. did I think it was a dumb thing for Brian Fuller to be concerned about? I have this, uh, so I completely believe it is okay if you're a person who's traumatized by something, for instance, let's say that you just completely cannot deal with suicide being depicted on screen, or you completely can't deal with rape, or completely can't deal with murder, or whatever it is. Because you're triggered, you're you triggered. Are, yeah, and I think you are a righteous person in saying, hey, you guys are going to go watch that and tell you what, I'm going to go get an Orange Julius, I'll join up with you later, I don't want to see that. I think that's cool, and, and you have every right in the world to feel that way. I think Brian Fuller doesn't need to worry about Carrie killing everybody in her gymnasium, because it's a movie. I was going to say that I think that's absurd. So many times, you're right, I will stop myself from writing something because I feel like, you know what, I think this would offend my parents, or it would offend my grandparents, or, or I worry about that, and maybe that's a failing on my part, or maybe it's not. Fine. I believe, though, that we also have a weird thing in our culture where we feel pressured to uh, to perform feelings about things that have nothing to do with what we're actually feeling or our actual reality. So that after uh, a bombing happens, we'll be like, oh, my, my big movie about a bank robbery has bombs in it, and I'm going to make a big speech about how I don't feel like it's the right time to, to, to release it. I think those feelings are fake. 
and I think that they are false. And people say them all the time, and it's it's just it's embarrassingly childish. Uh, you know, this is art, and I'm not interested in people pretending to be well, sensitive. Okay, okay. Let me let me contextualize this into something that just happened. When there okay. was a, a shooting over the summer, and Marvel was going to release the trailer for the Punisher TV show. Um, it was okay, because of the shooting in Las Vegas. Because of the shooting in Las Vegas, they 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 decided they weren't going to have they weren't going to release the Punisher trailer when they said they were going to. Do you, do you feel like that that was hypersensitive on their their part, or do you think that I was... absolutely feel like it's hypersensitive. I I feel like like they they never um, decide not to release it because they've suddenly been overcome with a bout of conscience that they don't feel like they should be making violent movies. They just feel like it like they're worried that they're going to be accused of being insensitive, and I just I I'm I'm just I. It, it strikes me as false. I'm not crazy about it. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, go ahead, Tony. I think that the answer actually lies somewhere between. I think there are many artists, and I, I would personally, like, if I were to have a trailer coming out, and that was my yeah. thing, and something had happened, I would be very conscious of that coming out. However, I think what you're reacting to, which I've seen often, is there's a bunch of dudes in suits who only worry that they're they aren't going to make bank on the thing. I yeah. think you're seeing the two different things. I think there are many yeah. people who could give a rat's ass that it, there's a human element to it. Um, the same people who, you know, hey, man, smoking's really like tearing people up. <sighs> yeah, we should make some commercials about how bad it is. They don't yeah. care. And if you, again, my thing is if you smoke or whatever, that's you, man. But like, there are a bunch of people who only really care if how it's going to affect the bottom line. Yeah. But I right. do think I don't think that everyone. I I am not so cynical as to believe that every because I thought about this and what I might write or release. I think there are a lot of people who would lobby and go, man, when I was writing this, I had no idea this was going to happen. When I was filming this, this was, yeah. I thought this was fiction. I um, think and, also, and I think that though, that's a big deal. I think yeah, that you can think about that and go, maybe now it's not the right time. And I think there are a lot of people who actually do feel that way. That's not disingenuous, but okay. because of social media, we have a lot of things where the hype train and the kind of all the emotions we there we're exposed to all of this all the time right yeah so the kind of ebb and flow is ah it's it's just heightened it's heightened it's heightened i gotta feel this way or or, or you know we're seeing all this stuff and if you don't take a step back if you don't allow yourself to take a step back <clears throat> and fall prey to this this is how i should feel etc without self uh, i mean there's there's not much time in our uh, social media days to have self-reflection um yeah i'm just as guilty this is not a you know, I'm not saying I'm this person like, oh, I think these thoughts in my study, you know, it, it comes off a little bit like, well, you know, nobody really feels that way. I disagree in that. Yeah. But I think it's also easy to get wrapped up in a very emotional stakes in a world where uh, yeah. narcissism to me and polarization, those are my two things I think have become rampant in a way that feeds off of each other and makes a lot of things legitimately hard to uh, parse, to, to think about, to react to in a, in a reasonable manner. Um, and I don't have to solve for any of that. But I think to, to me... I think he legitimately wanted to contextualize this movie into something that was contemporary and probably like... 
if you're if you're familiar with a lot of his work, even though he deals in stuff that deals with like death and you know sometimes morbid topics like and dark stuff, like he he's very obviously a sensitive person. Yeah, and uh, you know I I don't think that you know he like kind of responding to what Tony's saying about guys in suits. I don't think that that's where he was coming from. I think he was like, oh, this is a thing that is, has happened and I need to be aware of that, but also I can can kind of use it to inform what I am writing yeah. about and make it feel contemporary at the same well, time. Well, that, and, I, certainly. I just I just want to point out, Tony points out a really good thing that I shouldn't be so cynical as to believe that when somebody says that, that they don't mean it. Because you're exactly right. They might mean it. They, they absolutely might. I, I do think there is such a thing as if, let's say that I'm a writer and I specialize in a particular, um, let's say I work for a nonprofit and I write their press releases. And so my thing is, is oil is stopping drilling of oil, then no matter what article I'm writing, no matter what movie I'm reviewing, I'm always going to bring it back to, but how do I react to this movie as a person who's really worried about drilling for oil? And so if it says something to say about it, I'll go, this movie has so much to say about drilling for oil. And if it if it's getting too much attention and has nothing to say, I'll go, how can people be so into this movie when there's all these problems about drilling for oil? Because that's my job as a guy who writes articles about this issue and and what will happen though in the world of of this echo chamber on the media is i can write an angry article about how a movie is problematic vis-a-vis -vis this thing that just happened and that'll shoot around the ecosphere without us ever you know possibly without putting it into a further context to go wait a minute this guy's job is to get worked up over stuff and, and, you know, but, but Tony's exactly right. Many people are sensitive and many people are sincere when, you know, and, and Drew, you're right. It, Brian Fuller may have been one of them where he says, I was concerned about Columbine and I wanted to make sure that this fit into a post Columbine context. Me personally, I'm annoyed when the news gets involved in, in art and, and that's just me being unfair. I, I grant you that it's, it's totally unfair and, and Julia, I mean, I, that's what you were getting at, right? Is that, that I have a tendency to, to, um, to over, to be over annoyed at how people bring the news right, into context. Because I, I'm saying that art, like, I actually believe the complete opposite of what you're saying. <clears throat> I believe that art is, is often, if not most of the time a reflection of the context i mean if you look at even you know uh the mick the uh the mickey mouse cartoons and the and, and whatever of uh, during world war ii it's like always informed by what's going on around you in politics and the news and i think anybody who writes art uh, who writes or who creates art who doesn't incorporate that and consider it when they're doing their art is is foolish i mean there's just why would you write something and go la 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 the world doesn't exist i'm just writing what i want to write you know you have to consider it just like you consider yeah. and i yes i absolutely believe that part of it is going to be bottom line for sure like i said that's that's how i started off with with my example about your writing it's not I wasn't talking about does your grandmother or is your grandmother going to be offended I was talking about will my writing a vampire book be well received after the Van Helsing came out and crashed you know it's like no I'm not going to bother writing it because of the bottom line because right now nobody's going to want to see it because they're going to associate it with this other thing well the same is true for politics and for news and for whatever else it's that you you you're going to part part of you is going to think 
is this going to be yeah. well received and therefore is it worth doing monetarily and the other part of you is going to go what as an artist am i trying to say about the culture that i live in and the time that i live in and do i want to say anything at all about it and if so what what am i looking at specifically what is the mirror through which i'm looking i mean anytime you, re- you study art you study you literature that... you always have to look at what the context is that the person was working in okay so like roman polanski's Macbeth, for instance, is heavily influenced, um, many people say, by the bloodiness of the Manson murders and the closeness of those murders to Polanski himself. And so it all, uh, you know, it, it gives a context both to how he made Macbeth, but even if that's bullshit, and in fact he made the Macbeth he would have made no matter what, and it didn't matter whether the Manson murders had touched him personally. Um, it gives context to how we view that. I agree. Uh, art is shaped by what's going on. Having said that, um, more often than not, in modern times, I find myself just annoyed by how the news affects art. You know, I... I just anyway, I well something else I you know I've okay. always thought about too. You're in the in the whole art thing, so you're gonna have X amount of people who are gonna go, man, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? You're gonna have another group of people who go, haha. To me, art is confrontational, yeah. and I am going to make this thing that's gonna stick it. And I find those usually to myself how I view that to be a much more cynical yeah. thing. Where I agree with you all, completely about that. I, they, yes. Like, they adhere to the part of art that's like i'm you know it's not art unless it makes you squirm and i personally like that's not me at all um i may want to bring up things that make you squirm in a way like wow you know again the the mirror part of it right um but of course all my friends watch the actual like black mirror and i find it so real that i can't fucking watch it (laughs) yeah it's something that was like Man, no, man, I, I can't. We, we kind of live this. It's not even allegory yeah. in the way the Twilight Zone I see is. Yeah. I just, it's. It is often a bummer. Way yeah. Too real for me, and even though it's done so well. Like, it's, ah, uh, it's done so well. But man, can I, I can't watch it. I just, also, by the way, I doubt, I think we've probably delved into the politics of the TV adaptation of Carrie way more than anybody <laughs> who created. Once again, anybody created this, this thing. This conversation got a lot more tense than I was expecting it, actually. Um, yeah. Like, well, I just think that that anybody who made this, I, I'm sure there's someone who's thought of it in the same manner on the cast and crew. But in general, I think most people just thought of it as, how do we update Carrie for the year 2002? <laughs> Yeah. But again, that's why we, yeah, I guess no. that's why we talk about these things, right? I mean, ultimately, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, she's either going to be murdering students or not. I, by the way, I agree with you. I'm more annoyed by people who, you know, uh, take advantage of what people are thinking about on the news to sort of rush something out. Although, you know, I, I, I have a soft spot in my heart for exploitation from the 70s. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe I... I um, it's this. It's a tough one. It, it's. Uh, I. I think the 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 main thing that I'm always annoyed at is mostly people just worrying about about affecting a piece of art that already exists because they're concerned about about how they're going to be judged. I maybe that's because I worry about it myself. I, I don't know. No, yeah, but it, that's but, and that's that's just being insensitive. I mean, that'd be like you saying, um, I you know, I don't care. I'm th- I know I'm talking to a person whose mom just died, but I'm going to talk about how my mom and how great it is that my mom is alive regardless of whether it's going to upset this person or not. You were you're not the kind of person 
who would do that. You would be like, I'm not going to talk no. about how awesome my mom is right now because I know it hurt this person's feelings. So why would you do that as an artist? Why would you be like, I know I don't care if this is going to hurt people's but feelings. Who be, are watching and, this, and the answer is because a lot of times the trains already left the station. I mean, that's what people don't recognize. I mean, you well, know, like you've got something, you have something that's coming out. Um, and you know, and it's coming out this Friday. It's coming out this Friday, come hell or high water. And then on Thursday, something crazy happens. On a Saturday, you're taking stupid questions from reporters, and you know, <laughs> you're just a guy. Well, you made can a be movie. all the upset you want about that, but that's just the reality. I mean, yes, it's it, a being yeah. a good person who's sensitive to how people are going to feel is important. And B, yeah, as a smart business person, you're not going to do something that's going to completely be an idiotic move financially. As soon as you can't, what I'm telling you is as soon as you can't help it, then we don't have a lot of patience with those people. Go ahead, Tony. The best case I can see, though, is uh, 2014, the interview where Sony got hacked and people were blaming Korea. Yeah. The week, that weekend... Before all of that came out, I the creators were there at <laughs> at but none with that. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll really affect anything. Like, I think we're good. Like, we haven't yeah. seen anything come out about this. <laughs> and I was, sure did, boy. Yeah. Telling people on Monday, like, hey, this is this interview. I, you know, this Q and A I saw, and then holy crap, yeah. <laughs> did it. No, Just it can. You can walk into a buzzsaw. It can happen. Tony, it, here's one. So when when uh, Jack Reacher came out, the the movie with Tom Cruise, which people found to be perfectly adequate, you know, they, they argued yeah. amongst themselves about how true it was to the character, blah blah blah. But the point is, perfectly adequate. If you like action movies starring Tom Cruise, here's sure. another one. It was fine. I remember Chris Matthews going on at length the weekend that that movie came out because Chris Matthews was shaken to the core by another mass shooting that happens all the time over here. And the Tom Cruise movie had just come out. And Chris Matthews was really interested in whether the world could continue putting out Tom Cruise action movies because these mass shootings kept happening. And I also was was like troubled by this mass shooting but i remember shaking my head in complete disbelief that he could ask such a moronic question we have action movies all around the planet it's a it's a completely meaningless thing to be concerned about it was a bizarre and fantastic but jason why of... don't why don't people use the n-word in movies anymore that it's offensive to yeah. a large section of the population it's the same yeah. thing it's something that is offensive to a large even if it's temporarily offensive like something where yeah. okay we, we don't want to do it this we this month because that we're, we're remembering this bombing just happened but maybe next year we won't care anymore because we will have it will it's be a really not really so truly valid point yeah. but it troubles me that we are so good at getting upset about tom cruise because we're offended that there was a mass shooting but we don't actually do anything to stop mass shootings i well, that's I, a I different just, story that's so a different story yeah. entirely but i'm mean, just saying anyway we need we've gotten like way yes my okay. Facebook is so, filled with like where this is going, and I've been really, really, yes. really wanting. I really yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. scroll past a lot so, of things. We should definitely anyway. wrap it up because uh, because uh, uh, um, 
yeah, this is the end of the film. Well, except for this movie uh. has an ending that we weren't expecting, which is that after Carrie has killed many, but not all, of the people in there uh, in in this prom massacre. Just with boring electrocution, uh, by the way. So there's no interesting yeah. murders well, here, except for just I, everybody's electric, electrocuted. No, well, here's the thing I found fascinating as well, going back to the, <laughs> why would you shoot this? So they don't much burning because that's hard to do and it's it's very expensive to do those kind of like set people on fire mm-hmm. kind of tricks it looks terrible in cg um yeah they did they went with electrocution as effective maybe maybe not it didn't look great when the characters are i don't know it was kind of cheesy but so they shoot around that and decide well wait, this is the budget we have but then when her rampage happens and there's all these weird floating cars and stuff they decided they needed that which you didn't need you could have you know blown windows yeah. out of out of houses or something mm-hmm. but oh man it looks so bad and then yeah by the way <laughs> when you say oh we didn't know this happened it's telegraphed so far in advance when they're interviewing sue that yes that yeah anybody didn't guess that carrie was alive <laughs> Uh, you're gonna have a you're gonna be so when you see the next uh mystery movie you're gonna be so surprised at the end you'll never see it coming m night movies will be just what i can't (laughs) at all didn't understand that sue's evasiveness meant carrie was alive for multiple interviews (laughs) yeah yeah very good point yeah. yeah. What is going on here? Because Sue and Carrie are now doing a road trip to to Florida, and so I guess that I hope they pick up now, Bruce Banner on the way. I guess they're they going to right, they, they were going to do a TV. They wanted to do a TV show. You know, yeah. like I, so they she's going to go from town to town. town and yeah. what? You I, tell I, yeah, I can see it being. Bad. Yeah, we talked about it being <laughs> Incredible Hulk like, or also Dexter like, like where maybe she just kills bad guys left and right. No, I think it's going to be way more like 70s Hulk. Yeah. Uh, and again, uh, or, or I got a waitress be, job, be... and now I've telekinesis <laughs> myself out of the waitress job onto the next town yeah. where they yeah. forget think that I do it. things up with my mind. She'll, she'll get a job as a short order cook somewhere, or or no, she'll be. You're right. She'll be the waitress, and and but uh, the the lady who runs the cafe is real nice, but she's being hassled by the local sheriff. I think there would have been. This people. is 2002. I think there would have been a meta plot where they would have tried to. <laughs> explain where her uh, her, her oh, telekinesis no, comes right. from oh my god and it would be like government yes. operatives there'd yeah be like there would be some x file shit you know oh, and no. everyone like, dies <laughs> aren't are you aren't you just so sad that they didn't make the carry come on man i would watch that TV movie show. i would watch that show I would absolutely watch that show, at least for a couple episodes, just to see, you know. I mean, it's it like, Han- you know, Hannibal. Hannibal worked out fine, apparently. I don't yeah. watch it, but. Yeah, it's true. But but Hannibal comes now, and so that's in a world where these shows have become much more like like 22-hour miniseries, basically, where, where you know, you're just, uh, um, it's a continuing story. Back in 2002, it still would have been an episodic uh, bully of the week that Carrie sets fire to and then moves on down the road. Bum, 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 bum. I can just imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, again, Drew mentioned it, but one jump scare in the car was oh. cheesy. Ooh, yeah. I've seen this too many times. I don't know why people like, I'm going to double down on this really crappy thing that we've seen a <laughs> billion times. They'll never know 
the second jump scare. It never just stop. It yeah. never works. We've seen it enough in horror. Like if you if you're watching horror movies on the regular, maybe that's what they're hoping. Is most people aren't, but I I hear snooze. They are. They've seen <laughs> this before. I'm I'm gonna tell you if you're thinking about this. Like and then the second one's a joke too. Just what's take, the first one you can think of? Right? I think like, they did that. An American Werewolf from London. Delete that. Yeah, but it, again, yes. Was it seventies, right? Seventies. I can't remember. It was like anyway or something. <laughs> and I have yet to see one of those in recent memory, even in movies I thought were better than this, where you're the second jump scare is the and I never knew that. It's always worse and more dumb. Like, ah, oh, good night. I I you know, I was like again, I like this movie more than I remembered it, but that was just yeah. terrible. Just stupid. Wait, she's really driving? Bump, bump, bump. Like, no, of course not. She's dead. We know that. Like, <laughs> I mean, yes, okay. But again, there's that's three twists. Because already you have Carrie is alive, right? Yeah. And then yeah. you've got, but who's driving? Oh, phew. Wait. Oh, that should be a phew. twist enough, honestly, oh. that Carrie's alive. For heaven's sake. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm saying. Just... Stop, it is, it is truly, oh my God. Um, Don't do it again. But again, I, I would have liked to have seen this terrible TV series, um, mm. especially the, the Lonely Man theme, uh, you know, because also <laughs> it, it, it's unusual for it to be two teenagers on the run. That's kind of new, you know, that would be that would be kind of cool. Um, I think if it was like uh, and a girl and a Hulk together would make it even oh, better. Oh, yeah. I would love to see Carrie in the Hulk. That that sounds or like if a just Carrie, would be awesome. you know, <laughs> Sans like Sans X Files stuff just started picking up wayward psychics of all walks of life yes. in her travels. So there's an army of psychics. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. Even though she's only supposed to be like 14 or whatever she is, what would actually happen is that she'd get like people. I mean, and this is not something that you would want to see on a TV show, but people would keep trying to recruit her into like sex trafficking or something. And she'd have to like kill them. I really do think it would be a better show if it was like a Dexter style show where she's like, where she's killing all these like sex traffickers and all these abusers. Or other psychics. way more interesting. But I'm still going with bad psychics. Yeah. I'm still going with that. She picks up a bunch of psychics and eventually they have their own problem. <laughs> they form a team. I, yeah, no, I'm good with all this stuff. You see, you've just come <laughs> up with, you've just come know. up with like a good two, three seasons of the Carrie TV series that never existed. So, having having said that, uh, we should wrap this up. My God. Okay, we'll go. Tony. It was uh, Tony, Julia, Drew, and then I'll I'll go. Uh, Tony, final thoughts on the 2002 Carrie. Um, bearing in mind that next week we'll be back with yet another carry. Uh, lay it on us. I thought I was all right. You know, again, remembering it was Fuller, I kind of wanted it to be better, I suppose, because I think he's really good. And then I, I do wish I would have told Drew, like, whoa, whoa, don't get too excited there, buddy. Um, it, it's better than I remember it. I can't imagine watching it before, unless it's for reference for something. Again, even though, you know, the cast is pretty good and they do some things that I didn't remember that I thought were actually pretty cool. But yeah, it's not it's not super great. Julia, I think it's been an interesting conversation. Um, I am especially intrigued by 
the notion like i this is something that just i've been thinking about a lot just even for years um is <laughs> how much control do we have over our our actions and our personalities and our decisions and all that given our upbringing like so at the end of this um she they show her as a child uh and how her, she tells the neighbor that her mother has taught her that you only get breasts if you're a slut they're called dirty pillows etc so you got all this stuff like all this context and then that's the scene with the you know with the meteors that we we're talking about where mm-hmm. um the mom is is completely nuts and you know and traps her in the closet a lot tells her to pray all these things so she's clearly very very much abused and so you know at the end when susnell they're at the cemetery susnell says to her this isn't your fault well not all of it not entirely your fault and i'm like yeah that is a great just a great question i think i keep thinking about it um probably through the night is to what extent is your being crazy because you were super abused your fault and then how much do we have our a choice to as to how what we're going to do with that if we don't have access to healthcare, if we don't have access to support a support network, if, if everybody around us is bullying us and we don't have a therapist that we can go to, there's nothing, no drugs, nothing. You have no support. How much is it your fault if you then go nuts and and kill everyone? And what is there to be done about it? And yeah, there. I mean, that's definitely the con- the question that we're asking in the context of the school shootings and other things like that, because it's not simple, you know, it's not just, Oh, well, if they're crazy, don't let them get guns or what kind of crazy is dangerous versus just, you know, kind of interesting or something that can Mm -hmm. be easily dealt with, with medication versus talk therapy or can't be dealt with at all, all these questions. So, I mean, even though the film itself is not super amazing, um, I do think these are all really interesting questions to to ponder. And, and I'm glad we've at least started to touch on some of them. By the way, before you go on, and sorry, Drew, um, mm. it, when you said something and it made, it triggered the like language geek in me, before anybody corrects it, yes, indeed, I do know that meteorites are what falls through the earth and hits things and a meteor is not that <laughs> when i refer to meteor <laughs> i understand this yeah. yes meteor is not the right term meteorite is actually what it is <laughs> just so you know because people get pinned back the rocks way. <laughs> the falling Pendantic, rocks yeah, yeah yeah anyway <laughs> yes um i'm full of grammar eccentricity eccentricities <laughs> tonight yet another one right there um I'm going to go with not enough coffee today and it's later. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Enjoy it. Thank- bear those ideas in mind because we're let's get back to them next week with the most recent one. Um, that whole question of having looked at all these versions, talking about the different versions, how much do we blame Carrie and how much blame lies in the way she's been tormented, you know, how do we deal with that? Drew, what are your thoughts on the 2002 carry total? Well, I mean, in the context of what Julie is saying, we barely got into the relationship with her and her mom and this. Mm -hmm. So I hope Mm -hmm. we can talk more about that next week because I feel like that's important Mm -hmm. to the overall carry experience. Um, I still don't think this is a very good film. Um, it does, of course, raise a lot of interesting topics. This got, uh, as I said earlier, this got a lot more tense between us than I uh, than I I I was think I was quite expecting. But in some ways, I think that's good for the overall conversation. I enjoyed talking about this movie and the questions it raised a lot more than the actual film itself, which I still, <laughs> unfortunately, find to be a bit. Charming. Harmless. 
and dull and lifeless. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I would ever recommend this particular version of Carrie. Um, and, you know, I, I'm coming to appreciate the Brian De Palma one more and more as we explore these different versions of this, this story. Because, uh, you know, as I said way back when we reviewed the original film i i am not that big of a fan of it but you mm-hmm. know now that i'm seeing the other the other attempt you know i i i'm starting to see why that one is revered as as much as it is um i i do hope that we can continue talking about you know the the, the some of the issues that we we talked about tonight because i think it's important mm-hmm. You know, I, it, Tony talked a lot about catharsis. I think hearing us, maybe hearing us discuss this even at times heatedly on this show might provide some kind of catharsis for some of our listeners as well. Um, thank you very much. And and, and I, I agree. I, I, I hope we hit on a lot of the same stuff uh, next week. It is so cool to have this opportunity to take the same work and discuss it as different people come after it every time. There aren't a lot of opportunities like that. Carrie is kind of an unusual thing and that's been shot over and over again. But there are, there are like Shakespeare and things like that. But, you know, you don't have a lot of stories that are just shot again and again. That's, that's a neat opportunity and I'm really glad that, that we're doing it. Um, so my final thought Yes, this is this is not the strongest uh, version. Um, uh, you know, I I don't think it holds a candle to the Brian De Palma thing, but that's you know, it's also that's the work of Brian De Palma. It's a TV movie. It's in many ways it it really looks like it. Some of it feels very false, but I do think that Angela Bettis is really amazing. No, she's great. Um, yeah, and she's a she's an amazing performance. She's fun to watch the whole way through. Patricia Clarkson also is really fascinating. Uh, and I kind of like the idea of what might have come after if this had actually flown as a as a TV pilot, which it didn't. So that makes it kind of a fun oddity. Uh, so, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm glad that we watched it. And I can't wait to be back next week with the one starring Chloe Grace Moritz, who is a, an actress who leaves no impression on me, but I, but, um, so we'll see what, what she comes up with for, for Carrie. Okay. So let's do endorsements. What you guys going have going on or what you've been reading, but share it with us. Let us know what people should, what's been on your mind that you want to share with people. Uh, Joya, do you have anything that you wanted to endorse? You know, I just came out of my, uh, Olympics, two weeks stupor um or whatever the word is for when you're stuck in this watching something every day but uh so uh, tv wise there's really nothing but um we did go and see um black panther which you know everybody you've heard everybody say it's amazing and we loved it it was very fun um i just i loved <coughs> to see a film that uh was entirely it was a, a like Everyone in it pretty much is black except for Martin Freeman, but it's not a black movie. It's not a movie intended to just be watched by black audiences and like, oh, we don't care if white people watch it or not. This is like everyone's going to enjoy this movie just like everyone enjoys all Marvel films. And the fact that everyone in it is black and the fact that the people, the, the army behind the king are all women it's just part of the thing. It's not the point of the film. But in this case, it's just a really fun superhero movie that um, happens to embrace a lot of 
African themes and just as just like it would if it was in, you know, in, in, in Japan or whatever. It was just like, okay, well, this is where it is and this is the people that are here. And yeah. it's just a really great film. I mean, it was so well done. Very exciting. Well acted. If I had thought i would have yeah it's that was high on my list awesome you, movie. you want to pick Wait, up I, also, you're also endorsing black I, also, <laughs> I have a friend uh who i've played with before um who goes by the shake moonbeam um he also uh jeffrey's name and he's also done a ton of work action choreography all kinds of stuff uh filmmaker guy and he sponsored a so you know some screenings here in austin like hey let's get everybody together all walks of life all races, creeds, etc. Let's go watch this. Primarily uh people of color. Um, you know, in order to but raise money to get people out to the theater and hey, let's all see this and here's some awesome representation, etc. And I you know, I missed his screenings of it, which I was really sad because he's just awesome dude and i think what he did was really cool but watching it when i finally did get to see it was like it's just cool. Like it's a cool movie. Um yeah. I also pictured I <laughs> in my head I always wanted to find out before he passed that if some trouble had happened, that all the female members of Prince's band would have been like the warriors yeah. behind the kid. <laughs> like I always just pictured that. Like, oh man, something happened and just everyone jumps up from behind these they're these awesome musicians with these great clothes and everything and they put down their guitars and drums and basses and everything and like kung fu battle a crowd. That's how I always pictured that happening. <laughs> just because of the way his band was always so awesome. Like, female members of the band were yeah. amazing. No, I agree. Yeah. The, yeah. The, I, that's how I always pictured it. <laughs> was especially exactly... as you see them in Purple Rain. You know, yeah, exactly. Very exactly. sort of close-knit. And yeah, absolutely. That's, I always yeah. pictured w- watching uh, all the warriors, the female warriors in Black <laughs> Panther. That's <laughs> basically how I, I wanted at some point to just see that like the purple rain version of that <laughs> at some point i don't know drew what about you what do you got well i i also have to i i think black panther actually is probably the best superhero movie that's ever been made like i i you know that's kind of a big thing to say wow. at this point but i mean outside of its obvious cultural significance and it actually does have a lot of very timely political stuff i mean they talk about yes. race a lot in the movie and they talk about isolationism nationalism you know immigration all this stuff and i think that's great and you know but i also love the fact that that stuff was able because that's all baked right into the character anyway but i thought it was great and this is the first comic book movie that i think i've ever seen where it also didn't ever apologize for blatantly comic book stuff Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to have armored cyborg rhinos, and we're going to have a guy named Kill Killmonger, and we're not going to have a yeah. single bit of irony about that. You know, yeah. like, one of the things that really annoyed me about the second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and a lot of other yeah. superhero movies do this to a lesser degree, is like anytime there's something that is weird or you know what what people would call comic booky, they have to kind of make it into a joke or you know have to take like a minute to explain it away or like oh we can't actually call this character this because it's too weird or too strange. Black Panther had no time for that. It was like you were either right. on on the bus and you know this is the leader of a sovereign nation who dresses up 
like a cat and beats up bad guys and you're either okay with that or you're not you know here's an ice palace with a with gorilla a gorilla face carved into the side of it and that is something that i've been like for years i've been like okay we've now had like if we're going to go back to the the richard donner superman We've now had almost 40 years worth of big budget superhero movies. And I think the regular public has finally got to the point where they can handle full on superhero tropes without trying to make it into a joke or without having to explain it to a point where like you, you completely made it not mythic anymore. And I think that's one of the things this movie really is, is that it's on top of being timely and on top of being smart and charming and exciting, it's very mythic. And I just, it gets the mythic qualities of superheroes better than just about any other movie I've ever, except for maybe the good parts of the Donner Superman. Like before the, Mm -hmm. the Donner Superman has to resort to making jokes about everything. And I, I'm not insulting that movie. That is a movie I love. But that stuff still bothers me. Like this, this movie, it says, okay, we can have it both ways. You know, we can have, because comic books have always been able to do that. And for some reason, the superhero films have not. And I finally feel like, you know, this is a movie that, that is like, gets it. And I, I just, I loved that about it. So, you know, I, I hate to be like the third person in a row to endorse Black Panther, but I just, I, I I can't wait to see it, it can't wait to see the movie again. Like I just like I love you know I I love the fact that we are getting a Black Panther movie and I love the fact that it's as good as it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Well that that's fantastic. So among the three of you, uh yeah, I'll, I'll join. Maybe we'll just say that. You know what? We all endorse endorse uh Black Panther, if you must see it, see it at the Alamo Draft House because they have a wonderful slideshow <laughs> that just goes through the history of the Black Panther, which is pretty great. I, I got one more thing I want to endorse. Um, I didn't get to watch a lot of TV this week because I was uh, in a freezing cabin in Oklahoma, but uh, I did come across this hilarious online conversation just today um, where uh, Terry Goodkind, who's a famous uh, author, um, experience this thing that I guess happens to a lot of famous authors, New York Times bestselling authors, where he didn't care for his the cover of his new book. And uh, I, not because it was poorly drawn, but because uh, he thought that the characters didn't look like the way he described the characters in the book. And uh, I, I don't know Terry Goodkind at all. He might be a wonderful person, might be a terrible person, no idea. But this is an interesting phenomenon because he was so upset by this cover that he went on his own Facebook and goes, this new book is a great book with a terrible cover. Uh, so I'm starting a new contest where you tell me the things you don't like about the cover or, or the whole contest is going to be around people complaining about the cover of his new book. And I don't know, maybe he was going to send them a copy of the book. I have no idea. And um, the internet came down real hard. And I think honestly, rightfully so on Terry Goodkind for this, because this was not, there are things that happen where you don't like your cover or you don't like the release date you get or you don't like whatever and um it is sad it's truly sad that the only thing you can do with that information is call up your best friend and go out and eat pie and complain that is oh man (laughs) like having experienced things 
in things that I've worked on not turn out well. Yeah. I certainly won't go on the internet and no. Don't. Just, just don't <laughs> do it. Like, just, no. Thou I get stop where myself. he's coming. Like, I kind of, I, I can see like, man, why is this person not this? But in the history, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's not what I would have done. Because there's things that I only... <laughs> You're among authors or you're among other creatives and you kind of go, man, this happened. Really? Oh, yeah. man. Yes. Like this. But absolutely. I'm not. Yeah. I'm, please. No matter but how famous among you your are, friends. Just don't. Yeah. You know, you go. That's a, that's or or maybe. Like yeah. a, a, I just had to look up the cover. It The art is done well i i, I don't know yeah. what direction the artist was given but it, this isn't like the mega man nes cover where it just like, kind of oh. looks like generic it just kind of looks like yeah. generic fantasy cover art like yeah, but, yeah. It's a it, but it looks it's, com well, it's confidently done oh. like i like to to go yeah. and trash somebody on twitter on facebook very publicly when you're like a best-selling so classless yeah it's so classless yeah. like maybe talk to your publisher you know like uh, i don't know like it just seems to be like there have been so many more adult ways to, to handle like, I'm sure I that so he, bad for the artist. regretted this I, I I have to say I think this was a stupid ass thing for Terry Goodkind to do but I feel bad that he did this because I'm certain that he will come to regret it and I hate to see people make mistakes that were avoidable. I just do, you know. I I, oh, well, I just kind of that's the folly of the, of the internet now on. because like there's 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 like people do things without really thinking them through, but it's because yeah. it's so instantaneous, you know. Like the, yeah, where once Listen, you man, you would have. I mean, we see it every every day now you know it's just usually it yeah. doesn't have implications like this like i my friends post stupid shit all the time <laughs> and you know but unfortunately it doesn't affect somebody's career you know like this could actually yeah. negatively affect this this artist the artist's career yeah, yeah. oh man like because uh, on that same note for example i'm part of a facebook group that posts like bad heavy metal uh album art covers and then another one that's like yeah. bad band pictures but mm -hmm. the band picture thing especially it, it, that just happens man like i try not to post anything about that because guess what i have a picture of one of my former bands and we're on train tracks i've got another picture we're in front of a brick wall those are terrible and cheesy <laughs> They were effective at the time, but holy crap, I have not a leg to stand on when people go, oh, look, another band. Like, man, it, it, I, at any given point, you're one step away from somebody just, you know, the traditional movie thing where they slide the picture across the table to you and go, well, is this you? Like, oh. Well, also, right. It, it, well, also, Tony, <laughs> you know, taking a photograph of people standing on train tracks, train tracks photograph well. Brick, you know, brick walls. Why do you put a comedian against a brick wall? Because there's nothing to distract you from the comedian. I know, it's, but there's it's, a reason it's, why mean, those things exist. It's terrible. Yeah, like no, it is for sure. I, I have like, to say, um, but I, I, I try not to think about like yeah. Well, I just try not to be like, oh, oh look at that, because I just know. Yeah. somewhere out there, man, you're just any of us are one step away from that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I think, I think I'm a, a jackass at least once every every day, and like I, you know, like the the, <laughs> I, I, I often, you know, it's it's funny we've been talking about repercussions of things throughout this entire podcast, and you know, I always think like, oh, you know, is that going to come back to bite me on the ass? Like, like nowadays, that is how you you 
how you think because that's the world we live in now. And you know, like like I I probably am a little too hypersensitive about it because generally I'm a pretty congenial and I think most most people would tell you friendly guy, but. I, I, at the same time, every day, at least once a day, something comes out of my mouth that I regret. So I, I can't imagine not giving that same amount of care to the things you post. But, you know, I probably posted stupid stuff that I should regret on the Internet, too. So, hey. I, whenever I see somebody do something really regrettable, I always imagine that at the end of the day, that person already knows that it was a dumb thing. And they go to the cafe with their friend. And the first thing they do is they're going to say you will not believe what I did today. And their friend is like, oh, yeah. Because, so I do. I worry about that all the time. I almost felt bad bringing this conversation up, except for it was fascinating to me, just just how how perfectly, um, how odd it was for yeah. um, uh, an author to, to lash out this way. But also, stuff like that happens all the time. And so you write something and you go, nope, I'm not going to say that publicly. That would be unwise. Go ahead, Tony. You do assume a amount of self awareness that not everyone has. Yeah. That, <laughs> that I think is also a problem in society today. That's, that's true. I am not, again, not saying that I am completely infallible in this, but I often look upon and tell people in panels when they ask about breaking into this or that or doing being a professional, et cetera. Um, yes. There's a level or some people just there it's never bad it's the no all press is good press kind of thing when in fact that's not really yeah. true and again yeah, that's and, not, not that we, I, we no. should probably wrap it up but at some point in time also we should post the excerpt that you and i use about the pants being fluffed and folded um yes it's too long of a story to go into right now but i think at some point in time we should go yes. into that because that's the that yeah. is since you mentioned that to me has been the am i being that guy at this moment am i being that guy yeah that guy was Don Simpson, by the way, in uh, in a long story told by uh, in uh, "You'll Never Eat Lunch in This Town Again." Um, okay, wow, that that was our fascinating, really unusual, very surprising conversation about the 2002 television remake of the movie Carrie. Uh, we are so excited uh, to be doing this uh, this retrospective, and uh, I think we got some good ideas for what's going to come up next. Um, we will be back next week, uh, barring some strange activity. And uh, uh, we look forward to hearing you guys' comments on everything we talked about. Uh, we are so thankful that you're there. And uh, I'm so thankful that you guys, Joya, Tony, Drew, that, that you've been here to experience this with me. And um, thanks, guys. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Good night, everybody. Bye.